Welcome to Catching Alphas, the podcast for everything fishing. We are brought to you by ctfishguides.com, Connecticut's premier guide service. We are also brought to you today by farmingtonflies.com, your online fly shop specializing in custom flies that are guide tested and fish approved. Follow us on Instagram at at farmington underscore flies, at ctfishguides, and at catching alphas underscore podcast. We are on Facebook and Twitter as CT Fish Guides. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, CT Fish Guides, for fly tying tutorials, knot tying, and fishing tips. dude how we doing doing good yeah. hey matt how are you man good good i got these kittens over here and they're freaking driving me nuts and knocking everything over so we're gonna um just kind of go through this ask some of the basic questions and uh you know definitely fire away with your questions um i i will probably talk for at least 15 minutes or, or something around there. You can try and ask questions, but after the first part of the segment, um, and we'll let you know too when to fire away with your questions. Um, but we'd like to get, get some questions from you guys. So, so Mickey, why don't you just plug yourself, dude? Like who you guide, your guide service. Um, anything on a plug right now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, my name's Mickey Cunliffe. I'm uh, up in Pittsburgh, fishing on the Upper Connecticut River. Um, work out of uh, you know one of the lodges up here, Tall Timber Lodge. Uh, we do a lot of wade trips. We float the river as well, so we uh, have a lot of options up here. A lot of ponds, uh, various uh, smaller streams as well, and uh, we got uh, you know all sorts of kind of, you know, trout and salmon fishing. We do a little, little warm water species is mo mostly trout and salmon. Sweet. Cool. So what is, what would you call peak season uh, for you guys? And you, you're out of, you're out of Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Pittsburgh's basically the tip of New Hampshire. So it's pretty much as far as you can go or right on the Canadian border. Um, and, uh, you know, mostly, uh, we, we get a lot of that early season fishing, you know, May, May and June where we get the uh, salmon kind of running into the river. Um, trout start moving and uh, start feeding a little bit towards the end of May into June. Um, so that's a pretty busy, you know, part of the year, at least in terms of guiding uh, and uh, in terms of, you know, river traffic a little bit. But the fishing's, you know, real good at the end of May. Start seeing some good bug activity starting in June and stuff. Um, and, uh, works all the way through the month of June into July. Um, you know, we can talk about the, the river a little bit later, but you know, we got cold water all summer, so, um, we can fish through, uh, through the summer and, uh, and then the fall picks up and we get another kind of burst of salmon and, uh, you know, the end of the, the end of the season with the trout spawn and stuff. Yeah. So when does the season close for you guys? Cause, um, it closes right before the spawn, right? Yeah, just about. We got uh, we got till October fifteenth um, for trout and salmon in New Hampshire. Uh, there's a you know select few rivers that'll stay open um, throughout the year, but um, most of the all the stuff up in Pittsburgh and the on the Connecticut River itself is going to be shut down October fifteenth. Okay, um, when is ice out for you guys? Because you know down here, it's obviously a lot comes a lot sooner for us when's when's ice out for you guys on the lakes yeah usually um you know mid-may ish um you know sometimes end of april but usually that you know first first couple weeks of may it's definitely going to be out um we kind of judge the salmon run we always kind of say mother's day is usually like kind of the the time to think about you know give or give or take five five days on either side sometimes but um that's usually the, you know, our idea of, of when the sand will start running. Um, so, you know, ice out end of April, early May is usually kind of what, what, what we're expecting. 
Wow. That's late. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah, cold here, man. Uh, for us. How are the black flies? Uh, you guys? Pretty heavy? Pretty thick in, uh, towards the end of May. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Usually the river kind of, the river breeze kind of sometimes keeps them off. Parking lots get pretty nasty. Yeah, I remember I was there and, and there, there were some. It wasn't like really bad, but they never really bit me. Like we had a bad year here for them. I got beat up pretty good. But um, is it just bad maybe for like a week or two? Or is yeah, it it's, like... A it's pretty nasty the first two weeks of it. And then they stay around all year, but they're, uh, you know, few and far between. And then you get the mosquitoes and deer flies. But again, usually just bad for a little bit. Now, ticks, ticks aren't really an issue up there, are they? Not really, no. Uh, we, I, I'll see yeah. one or two a year up in Pittsburgh, and then a little bit south of here, you'll start to see a decent mm. amount, but it's not too bad at all yet. We'll see, though. Awesome. So, aside from, um, let's say, ice out to the fall um, and when it closes before the spawn, um, how's winter fishing and is there like an open season or closed season for that? Yeah. So New Hampshire, uh, basically all fishing will open right back up January 1st. Um, so any open water, you know, in rivers and stuff, you're allowed to fish, um, open waters, like in Lake, you have to wait for the ice to, to ice fish on. Um, but in terms of the rivers, you know, January 1st, they're, uh, they're opened right up and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I don't, you know, I don't do a ton of guiding. It's, uh, it's really tough to plan trips for the winter up here just because it's so weather dependent. Um, and, you know, no one really wants to fish when it's, you know, single digit digits or, or less and then add in the wind. And, um, and it's so yeah. hard to plan, plan ahead. That's the biggest issue is, you know, you got to plan out two or three days maybe at the most sometimes uh, to get a yeah. de decently accurate uh, forecast. But the fishing can be can be kind of decent you know it's it's very you know few and far between in terms of the amount of fish that you're catching um but you know it's cold water it's it's uh not much food around so the fish that are eating are usually on the nicer side um and uh you know a lot of nymphin um uh some streamers here and there um and uh but it's it's pretty slow uh slow water in that time of year it's usually a little bit lower um and uh you know we're we're usually fishing a little bit quieter and um but like i said it's uh it's more of the weather conditions that are the toughest to deal with up here sure um you know tell us a little about a little bit about the areas that you guide on there and and the lakes and everything and just why don't you just walk the viewers kind of through what you got there starting starting at you know probably up top yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so the river starts basically right on the Canadian border. Um, it's like a spring fed marsh. Um, can't really fish it. They call it fourth Connecticut Lake, but it's, it's not really a lake. It's just a marsh uh, flows into the next lake. It's like a 200, 250 acre lake. Not, not very big, but it's over a hundred feet deep. Um, and so it's uh, got some pretty interesting fishing in that uh, rainbows and lakers just in there. And, you know, some, some, some native brookies swimming around as well um that has a, a hexagena hatch on it later in the summer which is pretty cool um so you'll get some fish uh working the surface uh for some you know some of those big old mayflies um and then that flows maybe you know five plus miles probably into second connecticut lake which uh just has salmon and lake trout and brook trout in it um pretty good uh brook trout you know and salmon lake um and uh Below that is basically where we start uh, fly fishing. Um, above that, you can do a little bit, but it, it tends to warm up. Pretty small water, probably 25 to probably 25 CFS going through that, like at a, at a normal year. Um, but all below that is where we're really starting our fishing. So that's going to start below Second Connecticut Lake. And uh, that's all just brook trout and salmon, really, in that stretch of the river. Um, beautiful water, really small Right now, it's flowing probably 40, 45 CFS. Um, mostly, you know, this time of year, we're using dry flies. If, it's, if the water's cool enough, sadly, it's a little too warm the last uh, couple of weeks. So we haven't really been able to fish too much in there lately. But um, 
you know, right now, most of the summer, a lot of little, uh, little salmon, little brookies, um, but they can be everywhere. You know, you can uh, have a, have a fun time throwing around, you know, a three or a four weight in there with little dries or, you know, little streamers, or little nymphs or something and um, hopper dropper kind of things where dry droppers work real well in that type of water. Um, and that's going to flow into first Connecticut Lake. Um, and that uh, we do a lot of salmon fishing in that stretch where that inlet is, you know, in the spring and the fall, um, especially the spring when the water is nice and high, there's a really nice inlet there where we uh, will target a lot of salmon and Lakers coming up in the spring, chasing, chasing smelt. Um, see some pretty good brook trout here and there uh, and there. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, that's going to be, First Connecticut will float, will uh, flow out of that into the what they call the trophy stretch, which flows down to Lake Francis. Um, that stretch has a, a mix of wild and stocked fish, uh, all three types of trout, and then uh, a real nice landlocked uh, salmon population as well. Um, so again, that has a spring run, chase and smelt, and then a really nice fall run where uh, we see a, you know a lot of nice fish work, you know even two two and a half miles up that river. Uh, looking for spawning grounds and stuff and we're able to fish for those salmon usually for a good three to four weeks at the end of the season um you know given given good water flows and stuff cool other lake trout in francis or no yeah yeah lakers as well and usually in the spring some of those will work up as well we don't see them too much in the fall but every now and then you'll see a couple make their way up there um so yeah all the lakes do have lakers in them that's cool yeah, so it's always uh, – I always love, you know, catching some of those in the spring. It's one of my favorite things is, you know, it's fun to catch salmon, but uh, it's pretty cool to just be standing in the river and all of a sudden you hook into a pretty nice lake or something. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I do I do quite a bit of ice fishing, so that the lake's always intrigue, intriguing for me. But, you know, being, some of being the lake, up there – Get up here in the ice, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I think there was a – maybe like a 31 pounder or something caught last winter. Um, and uh, uh, pretty, pretty impressive to see. Yeah. How about, uh, how about any smallmouth? Is there any smallmouth in the river up there? Uh, not really. No. Um, you got to go a good 30, 40 miles, probably even more uh, to get any consistent smallmouth in the river. And you really want to go, probably 60 to 70 miles below a couple of the reservoirs, yeah. more reservoirs wow. in Comerford Reservoir down towards Littleton, New Hampshire. Um, and that's mm -hmm. really where the, the, the better populations are. Um, we'll run some, some trips for pike and stuff um, around that area. And we'll, we'll touch a few smallies just here and there. But uh, once you start getting a little bit further south of that is where you're going to start to see a much, much more prolific smallie. And, largemouth population yeah cool so what can people expect um like what type of equ equipment if they're going on vacation up there whatnot what 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 type of equipment should they bring what what type of rods and so forth yeah so we're usually running you know anywhere between uh you know your average is going to be four to the six weight um depending you know on where you're going if if you're hitting some of the small streams, I'd say, you know, a seven foot three or four weight, seven and a half footer or something, it can be kind of tight in some spots. So a shorter, shorter rod is going to help you out, uh, you know, on a lot of that water. Um, if you're just targeting, you know, more of the, more of the bigger water, you know, below first Lake and Lake Francis, you're going to probably want, you know, your typical, uh, if you're throwing dries, maybe an eight and a half, like four or five weight, um, you know, some decent, uh, you know, tight line nymphing areas. So if you want to have a, you know, maybe a 11 foot three weight, you know, I don't, I've had some people using two weights out there and the water can be pretty powerful and it can be really difficult to move any fish you have on um, when they get into some of that current. So I always say like a three weight in terms of the, that nymphing rod uh, helps out in some of that faster water. Um, Cause in the spring, spring, especially that water, moving pretty strong um, and then uh, I usually have a streamer rod rigged up if I'm fishing some of the bigger water and that's usually a five or a six weight with uh, you know either kind of a you know a sink tip or you know maybe a 10 foot sink sink tip on there just to help get it down a little bit um, depending on what you're throwing but 
you know, use a lot of smelt patterns in terms of streamers, um, good smelt populations of pretty much all the lakes. So they're uh, sometimes really keyed in on that. Um, and so you don't need, uh, don't need to go too crazy with big streamers and stuff. You know, you don't, um, so you don't need a ton of, ton of weight on the line, but. Um, right. Cause I mean, you guys see in some cases in some of the sections, you'll see smell actually come through. Right. So it's something that the fish are really fairly familiar with seeing and they know exactly what they are. And yeah, they might chase down on the right day like a big articulated, but it's really are keyed in on those smelt, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Most of the time, if, if I'm using streamers most of the year, I'll start off with something white or gray, you know, unless, you know, yesterday olive was working really well or something, you know, I'll, I'll stick with that or something like that. But um, depending on where you are, you know, certain, like you said, a lot of the, a couple of the dams are throughout the summer, throughout the winter, fall, spring, doesn't really matter. There's just going to be random pods of smelt getting sucked through the dam and there'll be dead ones floating on the surface. There'll be half one, you know, half live ones twitching around. There'll be completely live ones. You know, it depends, I guess, on, on how they got sucked through, uh, through the pipe there. But, um, they're, they're seeing these things all, all year round. Um, this year we've had, you know, I know you guys have been hammered with rain and stuff and most of your midsummer was uh, pretty high flows and stuff. Um, but pretty much all of our flows this year have been about half of what they normally should be uh, and haven't changed since maybe middle of March. We had a really poor uh, snow year, so we didn't really have much snow melt, which usually fills the lakes and kind of gives us a good start to the spring. And we were uh, well below level, you know, all spring through the summer and started getting a little bit of rain recently. So it's helping a little bit, but uh, probably not going to change our flows at all for the for the rest of the year. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking that these, you know, half the amount of water coming through, we're not really seeing many of those smelt getting sucked through. I think it's, you know, not drawn them in as much. So, um, but most years, you know, even midsummer, you'll get a random, a random, you know, school smelt get sucked through. And, uh, for a couple of days, you can go down to the river banks and just see, you know, dead smelt laying on the banks and stuff. So, um, so you probably had to make adjustments this year just because of the the flow decrease or the you know abnormal flow so yeah. you're fishing like a dry dropper stuff or like dry droppers you know unweight you know not, not very heavily weighted nymphs when we're nymphing um you know not adding split shot really at all if we're uh you know using an indicator or something um because it's just uh it's not really necessary um it's also been affecting like where we fish some of the floating water that we do has been you know warming up when most years it, it wouldn't and uh so you know some of the guides haven't you know we haven't been able to hit certain stretches at certain times of the year when that usually doesn't really happen up here um and uh most of june and july you know none of the tributaries had anything coming out um and so anything that was coming out was pretty warm yeah that's it i could see that making for uh more difficult fishing maybe a little more technical, but um, what would you suggest for somebody coming up at, like, let's say they're more beginner, more middle-ranged angler, and more of an advanced angler. Are there certain sections that you would point them to, or you would advise them getting a, a trip, or, a, you know, a guided trip on, um, if they're a beginner versus advanced? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, like in terms of like, uh, you know, catching numbers of fish versus quality, there's definitely different, different places to be. Um, you know, like, like I was saying that stretch below second Connecticut into first Connecticut. Um, it's such small water. It's, you know, it's, it can be technical cause you're usually standing against a tree or something. Um, it's pretty tight water, but, um, there's just, you know, an abundant amount of fish in there and, and you might not catch, 25 fish but you're gonna see 25 fish jumping at your fly and you know that can to me is is just as much fun some days as going in there and just throwing around some dry flies and seeing that and um you know if you're, uh, i ever talk to people like yeah i haven't really seen any fish the last couple of days i usually just say, oh just head up there and you know you'll mm -hmm. have a fun time just walking around um and then that stretch right below that you know for a beginner intermediate and advanced you know there's just so much different type of water in there where 
um, you know, if you want to focus on a certain, you know, technique or something, um, it's, it's really, really good water for that tight line nymph and tons of quick little runs that you can work on uh, a lot of pocket water and then, you know, transitions to some, some deeper, slower pools just out of nowhere. And, uh, you can really bounce around in there and, and work on a lot of different stuff. Um, and, uh, has all sorts of bug life in there and, you know, you can see in stone flies coming down next, you know, next to all sorts of blue wings. And uh, we have a really good caddis hatch in there too. And how's the waiting in that section? Is it is it fairly easy or is it difficult? Not really. You know, that's that's the those two upper stretches. The only downside in my mind is the waiting, um, especially that upper one uh, can be pretty slippery rock. It's super shallow. You never have to go too far into the river. But even your first step in, it's going to be kind of a slippery, kind of angular t style rock. Um, and then somewhat, somewhat similar with, uh, below first Connecticut Lake, that first half of, uh, that stretch, the first mile and a half or so is also going to be pretty rocky, uh, somewhat slippery. It's pretty quick current. Usually, um, the second half of that starts to turn into more of a gravel flatter base and, uh, tends to be a lot easier waiting. Um, and, uh, basically everything below that is also pretty easy waiting for about, five miles or so um and then it turns more into the the floating area where uh you know you're tough access usually on the bank and in, in some of that water um and uh, that's where we start doing our floats so that's about 20 20 miles south of like where we uh, are usually waiting okay um do you recommend people coming up there have like felt bottoms with studs is that the best thing or what do you usually recommend? I, I run either felt or, you know, or studs. Either one will work. Um, you know, I, people out with just, just felt are going to be slipping and sliding a little bit on the banks when we're walking. There's a lot of pine needles and that kind of stuff. So it can be a little slippery with the felt. Um, it's yeah. like studs on that regard. But in the river, you know, you definitely want to have either studs or felt on. Um, you don't want to have so just, just straight rubber. But Vibram is what the industry went to for a while for invasive aquatic. Yeah. Did them up like that. And if you go up there with just straight Vibram, you're going to break your neck. Exactly. So I think it's what Mickey's terrible. Um, yeah. A minimum of, you know, felt is it's going to be slippery when you're walking on the pine needles and stuff like that. But you'd probably be okay in the river with felt, but the best obviously being with, with the studs, you know, you're, that's, you're going to be best off. How yeah, much... so I, I've only been using studs for, you know, studs only for probably three to five years now. Okay. Right on. Um, so bring us through any other sections you want to talk about or um, any, any other areas that you guide on. And then also after you're done with that, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, your wage, for, um, your floating trips and what people can expect. But yeah, go ahead and why don't you finish any other areas that you guide yeah, on? Yeah, cool. We got a decent amount of, uh, you know, smaller streams around, just similar to that stretch I was talking about that has just like that brook trout and sand. We got a lot of like, you know, native brookie streams. Um, and, you know, you could spend weeks just pretty much solely fishing those uh, those little streams and you know, have a ball hiking up and down those, um, the lakes, uh, you know, I don't fish the lakes too much other than that spring, uh, that spring and fall. And that's mostly at the inlets. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in the actual big lakes. Um, another lake that is in town, it's, uh, called back Lake. Um, and they have a really prolific hex hatch on there. Um, very well known people have been coming up for that for, you know, decades to fish for that. And, uh, can be a lot of fun if you time it right. It's usually uh, up, you know, four days up to two week period, depending on kind of the weather and everything. Um, but if it's, you know, if you time it right, usually, you know, kind of think around 4th of July-ish. It was a little earlier this year, just because we had kind of warmer, uh, warmer weather and stuff uh, up to it. Um, but uh, that can be a lot of fun. We're either, you know, using, uh, you know, emergers like wood duck herons and, uh, sparrows and things like that, stripping those a few feet under the surface. And then uh, once the, the sun drops, we'll start seeing those, you know, big hexes coming off and you can usually see some cruising fish and, you know, fins on the surface and try to, you know, 
throw a cast out to a lead and trout and that's always uh, a lot of fun in there um and so that's that's always a you know a big hit up here so a lot of people come up for that um and uh you know we do like we were talking a little bit about the smallies we do run some pike trips uh down uh, you know about an hour hour and a half drive depending on where we go um and that's just on the connecticut still or in the reservoirs um and uh you know that can be a lot of fun when uh when the trout aren't so uh so keyed in do a lot of that in the spring you know early season spring when 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 we're not really able to fish for the trout yet rivers blown out or too cold mm -hmm. and like if somebody's calling you up for a, a wade trip versus or they're not sure a wade trip versus like a drift boat trip i mean what what can people expect if they go out on the drift boat versus wade like do you tend to do a lot more nymphing or drift boat do you tend to streamer fish more or just what's the differences in the trips like if somebody was on on the fence about doing one or the other yeah um no good question um the the floats are are uh, this year especially with the lower water we haven't really been able to do much nymphing you know really at all um and uh so primarily just streamers and dries uh you know my buddy was out uh doing on a float and had, had an awesome uh ant hatch going on and was doing really good with some ants and stuff this time of year which is always fun when that starts to happen um but yeah so on the floats you know it tends to help to be able to you know cast you know a little bit further than uh when we're waiting so you got a lot more room on the on the drift trips which is nice you know you're not standing uh right along a tree or something and so we're usually trying to, you know, do 30, 30 foot casts, at least like with the dries, um, you know, they vary. We have a nice like caddis hatch down there, a lot of blue wings, smaller blue wings, um, and uh, usually run in, you know, either floating line uh, with a, a little bit of a heavier streamer or, uh, you know, a sink tip or maybe 150 grain line, um, you know, ranging from woolly buggers up to you know, dungeon style uh, streamers and stuff. So we'll mix it up a bit on that depending on, you know, water clarity and, and, and flow and stuff. Um, the weighting, um, depending on, you know, the stretch that you're in is uh, primarily going to be, uh, you know, dries and nymphing. A um, little bit of good streamer water uh, below Lake Francis where it opens up, starts to open up a little bit further down there. You get some nice slower runs to swing some streamers and stuff. Um, but, Below first, uh, first Lake Mick, uh, it's mostly going to be, um, you know, that tight line nymphin, indicator rig nymphin, usually, uh, you know, double, double nymph rigs, uh, one heavier fly, one kind of smaller, whether it's, a, you know, a midge or uh, even a, an emerger or wet fly or something, um, usually varying our, uh, our depth quite a bit, trying to figure out where they're kind of hanging out that day. Um, and then, uh, like you said earlier, you know, when we got these lower flows this year, we've been doing a ton of the dry droppers, you know, using a, you know, a bulkier, bulkier caddis or simulator, um, you know, smaller hoppers have been working well at times. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always fun when, when they're looking up and, and eating the nymph at the same time. And if somebody was like uh, coming up for the first time, I mean, fly selection wise, like that's such a loaded question because it depends on the time of year that you're coming. And, um, but sometimes there's just like kind of staple stuff and not asking any uh, secrets or anything like that. Yeah. Don't give away here, but like, what are just some staple, you know, maybe patterns that people might want to have in their box, you know, if they're coming up? Yeah, no, I always tell people, you know, you always want to have some elk hair caddis pretty much no matter what time of year it is. Um, they'll be, they'll be looking at those all the time, you know, skating them. You can do a lot with those guys. And so I'm always, always going to have some of those in the box. Um, you know, I like the stimulators as well, you know, later on in the summer, especially, um, you know, nymphs were, were primarily, you know, I don't think there'll be a day that I won't throw on a hair's ear. Uh, at some point um so i'm always you know always using using one of those um you know some days the uh the the attractors are just killing it you know whether you're whether you're using a, a worm or an egg or uh 
you know, even even the mop fly and stuff will have have saved a few days for me here and there. Um, you know, even when I'm not not expecting it. You know, if it's even clear water or something, I'll just every now and then they, they'll they'll key in on it. Um, there's uh, there's a good fly shop right in town. Um, local local guy. Um, he's been been up here for decades, and um, his, that's North Country Fly Shop and uh really you know good good fly tying selection but he's got a lot of flies in there and um you know a lot of local stuff that works really well um and definitely a worthy stop um if you're, cool. if you're coming up and new to the area for sure um you know he's he's a local guide and just a, a great tire and a bun bunch of good stuff in there nice do you find that um with the nymph fishing some rivers and it may not be the case but some rivers like bead color really can matter like some rivers like silver does really well or on I, the farm I feel like the it, dark the darker color the dark um, yeah i think the less flashy the better to be honest um i think that might be more of a an issue with um the fish seeing too many flashy ones um and they they're not they're not used to more of a, a subtle subtle looking fly at times i think um, you know beginning of the year probably not you know you can get you know i i don't think it matters as much but definitely as the, the summer goes on i tend to like to like a darker darker and more subtle profile for sure cool well that's a good tip right there um what else you want to talk about? I mean, I think at this point, if people want to start asking questions, fire away here and uh, Matt and try to catch them as they they come up, come across here. Um, Mickey, you can just keep going and talk about anything yeah, we may about a little bit of info about just Pittsburgh in general. Um, you know, if uh, places to stay, there's you know a few lodges and stuff. Um, I like I said earlier, I work out of. Uh, uh, Tall Timber Lodge, you know, right on Back Lake, the lake I was talking about with that hex hatch. Um, and, uh, you know, that's good trout fishing spring, you know, through the summer, especially with that hex hatch. Dies down a little bit midsummer. It, it warms up a little, but it's fed by like six or seven springs. So the trout will just hunker down at those springs and survive and then uh, fish well again in the fall there. Um, they got a nice restaurant there, too. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's several other lo similar lodges where you got cabins and a main lodge and separate houses all on different lakes and stuff. So there's uh, a place called The Glen. There's another place called Lopstick. Um, and then the whole Air Airbnb scene um, is, uh, is, you know, kind of been exploding lately. So there's a bunch of the Airbnb, VRVO, you know, sites like that and stuff where you can find lodging. Um, several restaurants in town place called the Berg. I'll work there uh, usually in the winter and stuff. Um, really good food there. Um, and uh, a couple other uh, pub style restaurants as well. So decent amount of places to eat um, for for where you are. Um, you know, it's you can't expect a whole lot, but uh, a couple stores if you need some staple items and things like that. Um, Definitely everything like you kind of need, like yeah. in clothes. Nothing, nothing too you know, too uh, luxurious, but uh, it's everything's comfortable and, and the food's usually pretty good and stuff. So, yeah, totally. Um, so we had a couple of questions here. Um, CT Jonathan is asking how the crowds are. Uh, Farmington and the West Branch of the Delaware, but in general, I guess, just how are the crowds? Is the, is the river typically crowded up there? Or? Uh, you know, it, it can look crowded when you drive by, you know, the parking lots and stuff. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're into walking a little bit, um, you can, uh, you can find open water pinch wherever you are. Um, yeah. we just have miles and miles and miles of river where, you know, if you're not picky on where you fish, you can, you can drive and then, you, you know, South or North and you won't see anybody, but even the, even the crowded parking areas, um, you know, you park in there, you take a look, and if there's a few people right right near the area, usually if you walk up or down a little bit, um, you can find some good wa open water. But, um, you know, I think it's been everywhere, uh, especially around New England and probably the whole country. But, you know, ever since COVID happened, it's 
these rural areas have exploded just in terms of people getting out and, uh, you know, enjoying the outdoors and stuff. And Pittsburgh, no you know, we've had definitely seen a major influx the last couple of years. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's been great, great for the town and stuff and keeping everyone busy. Um, but, you know, it's definitely made the rivers a little bit more crowded and, you know, it doesn't make the fishing a little bit tougher, like a little bit more technical. The fish are getting smarter uh, as the season goes on the last couple of years, but um, doesn't really change the, uh, the actual fishing too much right on um so billfish um just above that mentioned pike so it's not really a an all-out question but let's just talk about um like i mean you mentioned it's it's a little bit of a drive to the pike fisheries yeah um, what's the what's the average size pike that you guys uh, you know, you know, we're, we see a lot of those 24 to, uh, you know, 28 inches is, I would say is your average size, you know, New Hampshire, I think a keeper is 28 inches, I think. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we see a lot of those size and then, a, you know, a decent amount of the 24 to 32 inches. Um, and then, you know, every year we'll, we'll see a few of those, you know, 32 and up, you know, we, you know, a few, you know, 36 to forties and things like that. Um, you know, between, uh, you'll see a, you'll see a low forties probably caught every year in the river. Um, something like that. Uh, and it's, you know, we're, we're usually throwing 350 grain lines, 250 to 400 generally, um, eight to 10 weights, um, various types of flies. We'll throw poppers here and there, but mostly subsurface. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see some bass here and there. I've gotten some some random nice large mouth but we'll see mostly smallies kind of you know following the flies back um tend to use seven inch up to you know 10 inch flies kind of thing um depending on time of year um but uh you know it can be a lot of fun it's, it's some of my favorite trips of the year just to mix it up you know from from days trout fishing it's always fun to get out in the boat and and float that water it's, you know a lot different than uh, the water up here a lot bigger and uh different wildlife and all that kind of stuff. So, so here's the question. If somebody's thinking about doing a pike trip with you, how far do they have to consistently be able to cast? <laughs> That's a great question. So, um, so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, you basically got to be sending, you know, a 250 grain line, you know, 40 feet pretty much. Um, and, uh, you know, 30, 30 to 40 feet consistently. And, be able to strip and strip set and it's uh it's tiring you know we're it's just constant casting you know you're not we're not like waiting to target a, a specific fish moving right. thing like that you're you're casting you're stripping you're picking it up you're casting you're stripping you're picking it up and basically uh, throw 50 because you're going to be throwing 40 over and over and over and over and over again so we're not talking about your max cast we're talking about like you could cast this distance all day exactly. Yeah, all day. So just because, yeah, you, with with a fly on it, yeah, Pardon? with a with a with a large fly in it. Exactly. Like yeah, we're not yeah. throwing clousers. You know, a lot of people I'll talk with, they go, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah I throw, I'll throw a lot of two fifty for stripers and stuff, and um, it's a right. lot different throwing a you know a bulkhead style uh, fly compared to a clouser on there. Uh, yeah, moves a little bit sure. in the air, so you know it's. I, I, I try to talk it through with everyone that I talk with about pipe trips and uh, it's a, a bit of a process to, to figure it out. And, you know, most of the time it works out and, uh, um, but uh, it's a fun experience uh, being out there for it, for sure. Sure. Right on. Um, are there any other rivers in the area besides the Connecticut, like larger rivers that you, you guide on or that you prefer to fish? Uh, like if yeah. I'll, uh, you know, we got, um, the Androscoggin would be the biggest one, uh, you know, in New Hampshire, the closest, uh, you know, kind of main big river in New Hampshire. That's going to be about an hour, hour and a half or so, uh, depending on where you're, where you're fishing on that. Um, that's kind of on the Western, uh, sorry, the Eastern side of New Hampshire, right on the border of Maine. Um, and you know, flow flows into Maine and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a, a good trout, trout fishery. They got rainbows, brookies and browns in there, some salmon as well. Um, I, uh, I personally don't spend a lot of time over there, but uh, a few of the guides in town definitely 
um, fish it quite a bit. And, uh, you know, they love going over there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a few guides that I would definitely recommend to, to fish that, that piece of water. Um, but it's a, it's a really cool river. It's beautiful. Um, big, yeah. big water, uh, heavy, heavy rapids at times. So there's like, you know, they do whitewater rafting on it and stuff. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the stretches, uh, have some decent water moving through it. Um, they have a really good, uh, alder fly hatch usually in June over there. And, uh, just can be lights out where there's just, you know, hundreds of bugs just bouncing off the bushes, you know, two feet off the, two feet, two feet off the river stuff. And, uh, if you time that right, it can be, it can be a lot of fun. Um, yep. sadly this year was uh, warmed up a little too soon for it. Um, and so the trout weren't really too active for it, but, uh, um, still was a really prolific catch at least, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a cool one. Um, and then, uh, I'll guide a little bit in Vermont too. There's a couple rivers over in Vermont that I'll hit, um, you know, again, about hour, hour and a half away. Um, and then, uh, I don't guide in Maine, but we got the McGalloway rivers right across the border in Maine. And that's just a stunning river for, uh, yeah. wild brook trout and salmon. It's, uh, you know, you'll, if you, the, the brook trout in there, you know, they'll, they'll scare you sometimes when you see them move. Mm. Um, some of the, you know, I've seen four, four and five pounders cruising in there. Um, and that's wow. been, you know, untouched forever. It's been, it's all wild. It's been, a you know, they protect their rivers over there real well. It's all barbless and catch and release and um, single hook point kind of kind of regulations and stuff. And so that's a really cool spot. Um, usually uh, in a normal summer, if I have a day off, I'm usually jutting over there and hanging out and bouncing yeah. around that water. It's pretty, pretty fun over there. Um, so, you know, within an hour, hour and a half, you can, you can target all, you know, all sorts of different kind of stuff here. Um, but it's like, you can probably spend three weeks in just Pittsburgh alone and not fish the same place twice. So it's uh, sometimes tough to leave. Yeah, I get it. Very cool, man. Very cool. <clears throat> um, Derek, I don't know if there's any more comments coming through. I think my comments froze up. I'm not sure. So if you see something. No, I think mine may have too, actually. Maybe it's just both of ours. Well, so a few years back I had fished uh, – I had an opportunity to fish the McGalloway for a couple of days, <clears throat> excuse me, and you were talking earlier about the smell, uh, and I remember, like, early in the mornings when we fished, we would just chuck, like, uh, they were super simple, like, the simplest streamers I've ever seen, and you'd almost fish them like dry flies. They were unweighted, and they would yeah. kind of just hit the film and roll and tumble around. They wouldn't really sink, but they didn't float, um, and you'd just pitch this fly into, like, a hole and watch an 18 to 20 inch brook trout come up and swipe at it. Like, like, boom, like a flash of lightning. You just see this giant brook trout chasing it, but I can never hook any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fun fishing. That's a cool river. Very, very pretty river. What, uh, do you know, do you know which, which area you were in or which lakes you were uh, above or below? Uh, we were in, oh my God, something mills. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Wilson Mills. Mills, yep, yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's that's the area that I'm I'm mostly fishing as well. That's like the public access area because a few of the stretches are gated and you gotta like bike, you know, six miles each way down and um. So, but yeah, that that that's a fun area. A lot of cool water in there. I'll uh I'll bring my raft over there and have a a blast smallie fishing at the end of July and August. Um. No. So big big smallies will work up from lake umbagog and just kind of hang out in some of the bends and you know we'll catch 18 19 inch smallies in there and uh it's uh it's it's pretty sweet the first time i i hooked into one i thought it was like a huge huge brook drought at first and uh you know and then i had that happen and catch you know four or five right after that and i was like oh wow this is pretty neat yeah uh, that's cool so that's a lot of fun awesome cool man what else do we Nate, the buck rub yep buck rub's a cool place up there you, nate brought me up there when uh first time i came up nice yeah i, was, I just had dinner there tonight local watering hole there oh yeah um nick you're gonna be up there october 1st through the 4th awesome man awesome you'll have Good. a great time 
definitely a good time of year. That's usually uh, kind of the heart of the salmon run right there. So uh, they should be uh, should be working their way up, hopefully. Do you prefer to fish for the salmon or the trout? Uh, you know, when the salmon are in there, it's it's pretty fun to, to, to hook into them. Uh, we don't really change our tactics terribly much between them. Um, you know, they'll be eating the same stuff. You know, we're either, you know, downsizing our nymphs a little bit for the salmon. So it's uh, – I was just talking with the guy I was out with today, and, you know, I was like, if we, you know, we hook into 17-plus-inch salmon, we're probably landing, you know, a quarter to two-thirds of them because, you know, they're – it's it's gnarly water, and we're usually on six x at that time of year, um, and uh, so it's 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 tough tough to land them if uh, if you don't really know um, you know exactly what ha, how to fight them. Um, it's a lot of a lot of give and take. They're pulling line, you're in shooting back up river, and um, and so uh, it's a lot of fun though. You know, I love uh, I love this. You know, the spring and the the fall is a lot of fun. Um, just the spring is probably my favorite time of year just because you get that uh the addition of the lakers and, and some of the bigger brookies too sometimes checking out the inlets but the nice part about the fall is the salmon work way way up in the rivers pretty much you know every year and so you can have just tons of water to fish for them um compared to the spring sometimes they only make it up you know the first quarter or something like that um did you say that you, you're fishing small flies for them uh in the fall definitely mostly nymphin uh, when you say small, just clarify for viewers how small yeah, are you talking? Probably eighteen to twenty-two, so that's small for us. Um, you know, we don't, yeah, we don't I, definitely get too crazier than that up here. Um, you know, you could definitely, you know, it definitely works, but um, it's uh, it gets tougher. Um, yeah. And, uh, for dries, you know, I don't usually go too much, too much smaller than a twenty-two, I guess. Um, but in the fall, a lot of those little blue wing, blue wing cripples or something work really well on some of the salmon um, eaten, you know, just subsurface sometimes. But um, swing a lot of wet flies for them as well. Um, a lot of fun doing that, um, you know, little, little, little quick strips, bringing in, bringing in a wet fly and having a, a salmon chasing it down. is pretty cool to watch. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Bill Fish, Mickey, do you have a favorite technique to use in Pittsburgh? Um not really it really depends on on what's going on um i do a lot of uh a lot of streamer fishing when i'm I take my dog out fishing with me because uh she likes swimming in the water with me so it's a better chance of me catching a fish usually with a streamer in that regard than uh more of the technical styles um uh you know after fishing with you and zach i've been you know working on my tight line fishing game a lot this year so uh, pretty much anything I've been doing this year on my own is, is, has been doing that and, and, you know, playing around with that. Um, but, uh, you know, it can be, you know, it, that's one of my favorite things about Pittsburgh though, is it's every stretch of the river is different and you can, you can focus on, you know, any, any type, uh, and not even, you know, have to go, go anywhere else really. So it's, uh, you just have so many options, uh, whether you want to swing streamers or, you know, maybe even throw some, some bigger streamers. Uh, I've had a couple buddies up and we've been, you know, attempting to do some mousing. Um, but uh, New Hampshire, you can only fish two hours after sunset. So it uh, doesn't give you a whole lot of time. Um, and so you, yeah. you, you only have like maybe, you know, three hours of, uh, you know, low light and then darkness really for, for that. So it's uh, makes it a little tougher in that regard. But we had a, we had one nice take last week, so we'll, we'll take that for now. Yeah, that's good. Did you touch it or just heard it? No, just heard it, and uh, the, the tail was uh, wrapped around the hook. So uh, he uh, did something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens, man. You got to check it every once in a while. But um, yeah, you can you can hear some some sick stuff in the cover of darkness that's for sure cool man um connecticut john any specific low rates to key in on or the for the trophy section what's too high for waiting yeah cool uh, um so this year basically it's been right at 100 cfs um which is low uh the the average flow is uh right at 150 generally between 150 and 
maybe, you know, 175 or between 140 and 160 or something like that is your average flow. And um, it's uh, much better at that than what it is now, just in terms of the actual fishing. And, you know, it spreads the fish out a lot more, gives them so, so many more smaller lies to, to hang out in than, than we have right now. Um, once it gets over 200 CFS, that's when you want to start thinking about, you know, being careful waiting. You want to be careful waiting all the time in there just because it's slippery. Um, it's not the deepest river. It's, you know, I'm not, I've never really been worried about people like, you know, having major, major accidents and getting dragged under because there's not really too many deep, deep, deep pools, but it's just slippery and you're going to fall and hurt yourself kind of thing or fill your waders up and get wet. Um, but once it gets over 200, that's where it starts to be a little bit swifter and crossing the river is where you're going to have to start thinking of thinking twice um you know it's it's rarely more than 30 feet wide um you know 40 feet wide um in that trophy stretch so you're you know you can get away with standing two or three feet from the bank and and still having a decent you know casting options and and fishing wise um so it's not like you really have to go crazy in terms of waiting there um unless you're going to be crossing um and that's you know over 200 you want to start thinking about where you cross a little bit and there is a uh, car Ridge bridge, which is the, the one bridge that uh, crosses that stretch. So, you know, when the water's really high, say in the spring or fall, when they're trying to empty the lakes, um, that's like your only crossing point. So you have to kind of park there, cross a bridge. And then if you want to fish on either side of that, you got to hike up or down from there. Um, and, but that can provide some good fishing because nobody can cross, you know, in the upper stretches at all. So if you can get to the other side, you can, you know, touch water that people haven't really been hitting too much. Right on. Yeah. Matt, you got any questions? Um, no, I don't. Um, but Mickey, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, um, my pleasure, guys. Thanks, definitely. Thanks for having me. And yeah. uh, plug the website, your your social media, and that lodge that you work from too. Again, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, my Instagram name, just fishing with Mickey. Um, website, the same, just fishingwithmickey.com. Uh, guide out of Tall Timber Lodge. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's that's basically it there. Right cool. on. People had questions or whatever, didn't have a chance to ask, or you watch this um, post live and you have any questions, you know, shoot Mickey a DM. And, yeah. uh, Instagram or my website, you know, there's like a little uh, entry form on there and um, the email, just mickeycunliffe at gmail.com also. So, um, but yeah, you know, either through Instagram or the website works, works well. Sweet. Fly Fish the East, is this going to be posted live? Yes, it's going to be posted. It'll also be on our podcast channel at some point. So it'll, it will be live. Well, cool, Mickey, man. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks again, man. One, one days I'll get up there and check that place out. Yeah, please do. Right on. All right, boys. Everybody have a good night, and um, hopefully we'll do a live next week, but uh, we'll see. Well, it have might fun. be. I'll have fun. Might have... Eric. Thanks, man. Thanks, All brother. Right. Talk to you later, guys. Later, guys. Bye.